Welcome to Trinity Forum Conversations. I'm your host and president of the Trinity Forum, Cherie Harder. On this episode of our special Linton series, we'll explore the spiritual practice of writing by listening to a conversation between authors Tish Harrison Warren, Doug McKelvey, and Jonathan Rogers. As these three authors explore the craft of writing, what becomes clear is that the creativity and spiritual insight that marks their work is predicated on the discipline of showing up, to sit in the quiet with tools in hand, and to attend to the wonder and mystery of their own lives. The very ordinary disciplines surrounding writing have become for these authors a liturgy by which they come into contact with the divine, writing things and expressing truths they didn't know that they knew. This conversation originally appeared on The Habit Podcast, a production of the Rabbit Room Podcast Network, and a portion of it is used here with their generous permission and goodwill. To listen to more of The Habit, visit rabbitroom.com podcast. It's our hope that this conversation will inspire your own practice of writing during Lent and help you to enter into the mystery and grace of the Father's love. With that, here's today's conversation. Well, for me, liturgy is simply those things that we do, the stuff that we do, the practices in our life that form us. So that that certainly is formal liturgical liturgy on Sunday morning. But that's also like, you know, compulsively picking up your smartphone is mm-hmm. a liturgy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, we have liturgies around our family life. I've, we just started school again and entered this routine. And it feels it's liturgical, right? It's like a, it's a liturgy of our time, of our year. So when I was wrestling with these questions of how does ordinary life matter, there was this whole spate of Christian books for a while that were like all about ordinary and, and how they mattered and, and how God meets you in your regular boring life which was great. They're actually good books and I benefited from them, but I kept saying like, why? This can't just be, I don't want just this to be another piece of information that I like hold in my head. You know, my ordinary life matters like to put on a sign on the wall or something Mm -hmm. to remind me I wanted to understand. And so the answer for me was formation that this Mm -hmm. is the place that we are formed. And a lot of it has to do with, the name of your podcast with the idea of habit that these are the things that kind of make us and so most of our life I would say is lived by liturgies daily liturgies and some of those form us to more beautifully to give and receive love and some of those malform us and so Mm -hmm. my book is a lot about wrestling with what are the things that form us in our daily life Mm. when I first moved to Nashville in the early 90s. Mercifully, I I ended up very quickly plugged into the art house community that um, Charlie Peacock and his wife Andy had just formed that nonprofit. And one of the things that, that Charlie was really discussing at the time was the idea of quorum deo, of all of life lived out under the gaze of God, and there being no divide between sacred parts and secular parts, but that all of it alike belonged to God and was lived under his gaze and should be part of our act of worship. Mm -hmm. And 
those ideas were new to me and and became very formational um, as I was just at the point of beginning to rebuild um, you know a, a theology that that was actually more scriptural and mm-hmm. and and uh, made more sense than than what I had grown up with that ultimately fell apart and so in writing every moment holy one of the underlying ideas of it is the hope of being able to communicate to people that quorum deo idea mm-hmm. that you know we might tend to think of um just church services as liturgical or certain ceremonies for baptism and marriage and those sorts of things but the reality is as tish was saying that Everything that that we do that forms the rhythms of our lives um, is formational to who we are, and and my hope was to help bridge that gap mm-hmm. for people in their understanding that um, that Charlie was so instrumental in in helping to bridge for me and mine when I was in my twenties mm-hmm. that that everything matters. It's all part of that that act of worship and all parts of our lives can be offered to God and considered in light of his, of his truth and mm-hmm. his spirit at work mm-hmm. within us. Yeah. Tish, you used the word formation. Um, and, uh, it made me think about the, you know, you have a, a chapter about, um, making your bed, <laughs> you know, just, just that simple habit of getting up in the morning and making, making your bed. Yes, which I do not always do. Uh-huh. So, even though it's in the book, <laughs> I sometimes do it though. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, of course, this is a, a podcast about writing, um, and um, and I think that that idea, these ideas of, on the one hand, paying attention to what's right in front of you, instead of thinking I've got to say something fabulous or something nobody's ever said before or whatever. I, th- I think that's super important. And then also just this idea of, of the habits, the, the liturgy of every day, um, trusting the process, sitting down, doing, I mean, this, this is, a, a, I think that's what you mean by formation, um, Tish, you know, j- just the idea of, of doing these little habits that, that um, making your bed once isn't going to make a, any difference in your life, but doing it every, every morning eventually does. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I I talk about that um, in the book that I never made my bed. Mm -hmm. I mean, never. I didn't. And I I mean, I say this in the book, but it was true. Like it hadn't occurred to me that grownups like did this, Uh made their bed when they weren't when there was no parent to make them do this. Um, And which just speaks to the state of my home. (laughs) But um but uh, so I would often wake up and immediately go to my smartphone, which that used to does no longer does, but used to sit, uh, you know, on my bedside table. And so I would like look at the news. So the very first um, moments of the day were imprinted by technology mm-hmm. and and, you know, news and entertainment and newstainment, which is kind of sort of all of our news now. And, um, and so I had no space for the, uh, actual embodied world that Uh I was in noticing the weather outside the, what I was 
feeling in my body or mm -hmm. hearing outside. I had no space for silence. Uh, and so that chapter uh, on bed making isn't so much about, you know, it, keeping your house clean mm -hmm. uh, because I would cannot, I will not be able to write that book. But <laughs> I um, but I, it's about um, learning these very small practices that, that change the course of our day, mm -hmm. um, really subtle things that point us to something um, larger than ourselves or, or point us in a different direction than just our, my nat sort of natural habits and nat natural inclinations would be. And I definitely think that um, there's a book on habit that I can't actually even remember, but I know that there's this concept in it of s sort of super habits or habits that shape all our other habits. Uh -huh. Bed making may even be mentioned as one of those, but, um, but writing, I think the arts of any sort is definitely one of those that, um, right. Writing is something that you, you have to sort of take up as a habit that mm -hmm. you have to kind of do over and over again or at least give some real time to, um, and that habit is going to shape the rest of your day, shape the way you see the rest of your day as you're going through it. I mean, and also shape your actual time. But I feel like when I started writing, we had really little kids. And so I had basically an hour and a half every morning that my husband would take the kids and I could write. And that was it. That was mm -hmm. all I was going to write that day. And so, um, and that was four days a week. So I had just over, whatever that is, like 10 hours in a week. And that was going to be all. So I had to, so my life was shaped around that habit. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and thinking about what I was going to write the next day, what I was going to do. And now that I actually have more time and write more full time, it's actually kind of, in some ways, hard. I think I get some less done in yeah. some ways because it's easy to go, well, I'll write in an hour or so. And uh, yeah. so that sort of habituation of time, I think, changes us as writers. But also the, the practice of writing changes how you walk around in the world, mm -hmm. how you grocery shop and do everything else you do. It's, it kind of shapes who you are. Yeah. One of the connections um, that's important to me between um, the habits of writing and, and the the uh, liturgy, more properly speaking, or, or if that's the right way to say it, is um, that in there are mysteries about writing. There are things that, that happen when I sit down to write that I don't understand. What's I don't mm -hmm. understand what's going on, and I have no control over those things. But what I do have control over is actually sitting down and actually putting you know. So I, I can. That those habits that I do have some sort of control over create room and space for these mysteries to assert themselves, um, which I think is a really important part of, of, I mean, I know it's a really important part of what y'all are talking about. I absolutely love that idea so, so much. Um, James Brian Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful God, his first chapter is about sleep as a spiritual practice. And one of the things he says is that sleep teaches us about all spiritual practices and that you can't make yourself sleep. You hmm. can only create the conditions under which you might fall asleep. Yes. But you can't actually 
rest on your own. I mean, uh-huh. that, that has to sort of be received as a gift. And yeah. I, I talk about that a little bit in the last chapter of my book. But um, I very consistently in writing um, write things I don't know, don't know I knew. And yeah. um, and there's um, – so I do – I love what you had to say about – I do think there's this mystery to it of – uh, my husband, who's an academic writer, doesn't understand what I mean by that. But the, very consistently, I feel like I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm learning as I'm writing, and yeah. um, and there, so there is this kind of entering into something that's that I can, I don't control, but um, creating, we're creating those conditions where that might happen. Yeah, and. And you kind of beg God and Walker. I remember reading Walker Percy every day. He sat in his office from nine to 12, he said, and sometimes he would write a lot and do really well. And sometimes it wouldn't go well, but he said, you kind of had to get to the point where you gave up and just begged God to throw you a bone. <laughs> so, that, yeah. so, that, so that, you know, this isn't the last, the last thing you said isn't going to be the last thing you ever say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there is the sense of you sit there in your office and you just, um, throw yourself on the mercy of God. Yeah. And he said, you know, he his wife could always tell um, how well writing went versus by when he came out at noon, if he was sweaty or not. <laughs> and he said when he wrote this lately, his life problem is that he hasn't ever been sweaty coming out of his office. But anyway, wow. so he just sat there. He just sat there and waited, waited. <laughs> so when he was productive, he got sweaty or he, when he was unproductive, he was sweaty. When he was productive, he got sweaty. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, just a couple of uh, weeks ago uh, on a recent episode of, of the habit, um, Jessica Hooten Wilson told me that Walker Percy also uh, watched soap operas and The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I've I've spent the last few minutes looking for something on my phone, um, and I finally found it. Um, but it's it's where my mind went when you asked that last question, and this is this is a short um, Celtic prayer. It's, um, I doubt this title was actually attached to it um, when it was written during the heyday of, of Celtic Christianity, <laughs> but the title on it is Praying with the Spirit. Um, but I've just been struck with how insightful and penetrating um, the, the thoughts of uh, this anonymous author were hundreds of years ago. Sometimes when I pray, I utter the words, but I do not feel or think them. Sometimes when I pray, I utter the words, thinking about what I say, but not feeling. Sometimes when I pray, I utter the words, and I both think and feel what I say. An act of will cannot make me feel, nor stop my mind from wandering. An act of will can only make me utter. So I shall utter the words and let the Spirit do the rest, guiding my mind and heart as he wills. Wow. That's so beautiful. 
but I spent so long trying to find that that I forgot what the tie-in was to your question. So. <laughs> no, it ties in perfectly. It's yeah. this idea that we we sort of show up with our like little little tiny tools, whatever they are, the prayer, your keyboard, and then you're but you're waiting grace. I mean, you're waiting mm-hmm. God to move. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and it's healthy to acknowledge that. There are mysteries at work, but it's not especially helpful to spend all your time wondering when the mystery is going to assert mm-hmm. itself. <laughs> and when, you know, I, you're, you're better off just sitting down and and doing it. Yeah, and hoping for the best. Yeah, and part and and also mystery can look really ordinary too. You know, I I mm. completely believe that mystery is at work, and sometimes mystery looks like, um, you know. I mean, this has happened where I'm learning things at my computer and weeping because God is like healing me through this process of writing. But sometimes mystery can look like I am frustrated and I don't know how to make this sentence work and I don't know how to do this. And, uh, and, but I keep working on it and, it, and eventually through editing, you know, something semi coherent kind of happens. I think what I'm saying is I think. There is the great mystery, but I don't want to only associate mystery with um, sublime experiences. Like, mm-hmm. the f- my daughter planted garlic in our backyard last to, um, yesterday, and if that garlic grows, like that's a great mystery. But it's it's also really really ordinary, and she's going to have to do lots of you know gar- regular garden maintenance to do that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one, no one's gonna think it's a miracle that she, that garlic grew from garlic. But it, <laughs> you know, it is kind of a miracle sure. that things grow. Yeah, and staying in touch with with that fact that that's a miracle. Um, that's a, that's a really healthy healthy act for anybody, but especially for a writer. Thank you so much for joining us on this Lenten journey exploring the spiritual practices. To listen to this or any of our conversations in full, please visit our website at ttf.org.